Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan, presented by Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 50. Bit of feedback from last week's episode. Thanks to all, and it was far more than anticipated, who sent through comments either on at the lineup pod or at Dave Prodan on Instagram, or now uh, at the lineup pod or at Dave Prodan on Twitter. Uh, all the feedback is very appreciated. We do our best to respond to everyone. I actually had a bunch of comments about last week's intro regarding the U.S. election and the myth of apoliticism. Someone even called it spicy, which um, if saying don't be a racist is considered spicy these days, uh, we have a lot of work to do, uh, but it's a start. Additionally, one of our listeners, Ronan Kane in Ireland, rightfully called out my butchering of Conor Maguire's mind-melting wave on October 30th. Maguire's ride went down at Ireland's Mullockmore, not Mugglemore or whatever I said, but Mullockmore. So thanks to Ronan for the education on that. I'm sure it won't be the last time. The WSL Championship Tour is returning with the Maui Pro presented by Roxy on December 4th at Honolulu Bay and the Billabong Pipe Masters on December 8th at the Bonsai Pipeline. Set your calendars. And finally, before we get to today's episode, uh, some sad news from over the weekend. Former CT surfer, industry executive, and longtime commentator and coach, John Shamuka passed away. He was 51 years old and leaves behind his son, Brandon. So my thoughts are with him and everyone who had the fortune to cross paths with him in this life, which is a lot of people. Uh, rest in peace, Shmu. All right, episode 50. So quick disclaimer, we had a waterline burst at my house, so I've been bouncing back and forth between places for a couple weeks and through a series of totally random circumstances, had to record today's conversation with some construction happening in the background. So my apologies in advance, but I am confident that the brilliance of our guest will shine through nonetheless. Our guest today is someone who is unquestionably in the conversation for being the best pipeline surfer in history. A Vulcan Pipe Pro winner, Pipe Master at the age of 21, he has by virtually every measure run ahead of the surfing world, whether it's been in business or wave riding approach or media or content. He is candid and we are beyond happy to have him on the podcast. Please enjoy the lineup's conversation with the North Shore's Jamie O'Brien. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once. It's got. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. It's up here, boxing. Jamie O'Brien with us today on the lineup. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pretty surreal year in 2020. What are you up to today? Where are you? Who are you with? 2020, yeah, it's definitely been a crazy year. I honestly felt like it was a great year for YouTube. Um, just, you know, unfortunately, not a lot of surf contests, so not a lot of content out there to watch or, or get involved with. So I felt like the YouTube channel definitely just just started skyrocketing. So it's been really fun for us, but definitely a really scary year and, and not a lot of traveling and not much, too, not, not a crazy, crazy year. So there's almost zero chance you're going to remember this, but the first time you and I met was when I was actually working at Rip Curl in San Clemente 
and you were a rib curl team rider and it was during the boost mobile pro at trestles and you were a boost mobile wild card and i had to look this up but it was 2004 and i was on the floor restocking the wax cabinet at the front of the store and i hear behind me hey brah and i'm like turn around it's you and your friends and i go oh wow cool like you know good morning guys like how can i help you and you go yeah i need some wax for the comp what do you think like the purple stuff and i'm like no you don't want that. Like that's cold water wax. It's, it's going to meld out there. Like you're not, you're going to want to want the green, you know? And there was this pause and then you go, yeah, give me three bars of purple. And I thought, motherfucker, <laughs> like, and I don't think this is the sole reason it didn't work out, but I was bummed when he went down to Parco in round two. And I'm like, I really should have campaigned stronger for the green. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I love it. I love it. You know, it's funny. So you're 37, I'm 37. We're, we're the same age. And, um, you know, I was kind of going back through your career because, you know, it's being the same age is something I've gotten to follow, like as a fan for so long. And even kind of working on the outline for this conversation, it just struck me how much and how far ahead of the pack you were just in the surfing world. You're really, really unique. You know, you you were kind of the first to produce your own movies, whether it was Freak Show or Freak Side or who is J-O-B, like, you took Red Bull on as your primary sponsor before like Carissa and Kolohe and others did it. And you were into vlogging ahead of like, all the other sort of North Shore kids these days. Um, it, do you, do you, did you kind of feel that when you were coming up, like in your 20s? Did you kind of feel ahead of the curve? Do you feel like you were kind of walking your own path compared to the broader surfing industrial complex? You know, I just, I think I like the concept of owning my own content. I remember we were going to make a movie and... We're like, hey, Rip Curl, we're going to make a movie. And they're like, we're not ready for a Jamie O'Brien movie. And I was like, ooh, okay. Dad, he's like, we're, we're making a Jamie O'Brien movie. And I was like, all right, we're doing it. So basically push forward and, and you know, from the very first movie, then Rip Curl uh, actually jumped in board and, and helped out a lot. And we're like, wow, okay, this is awesome. And then it just spiraled from there. I love making movies. And then I came to a point where I felt like I was going to stop for a minute. And then I linked up with Taylor Steele for a couple of years and, you know, tried to get my name more out there. Then I felt like, man, why am I giving well my clips away? I need to start doing my own thing. So we started focusing on Who is J-O-B, which is the primary movie um, that kind of led me to what I'm doing today. And basically the Who is J-O-B movie, if you guys haven't seen it, it's a very hard movie to track down. One day I will uh, reclaim <laughs> the ownership of this movie and uh, get it get it out there. But yeah, it's so. it's forty nine ninety nine for the DVD on Amazon right now. I looked it up and I didn't have time to get it, but I'm like, it does seem like a tricky film to track down. I got one copy. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, you, and you've priced it at forty nine ninety nine. It's your copy. No, no. <laughs> The um, let's talk a little bit about where you grew up. You grew up on the North Shore. What, what was your family situation like, and what was it growing up? You know, I, the surfing world's kind of familiar with this dynamic, but but growing up as a white kid, a Howley kid on on the North Shore, what was it like for you? Yeah, so born and raised on the North Shore. I was born in Kahuku Hospital, nineteen eighty three. Some crazy time in the morning. <laughs> um, we grew up. Kind of at sunset in the very beginning, we lived in a house with Derek Dorner, which is a big wave surfer. Laird Hamilton's right-hand man was one of my dad's best friends. Then we got an opportunity to move up to Pupakea, which is right behind Foodland. Basically, it's kind of the mountains on the North Shore. And yeah, we lived there until I was about six or seven. My dad got an opportunity to be a full-time lifeguard on the North Shore and ended up 
renting a house right next to the life card tower uh, pipeline. And it was super cool. And my mom was super pissed that we just left the horses and the farm. And now we live on the beach. So that kind of started a little chaos there. <laughs> we, we always hear about people becoming a product of their environment, you know, and, and it's something that I've, I've been interested in, you know, in my job. Um, growing up mostly in Orange County um, and kind of watching, you know, all these kids that are, were really, really close to the surf industry there and getting sponsored really young. But the ceiling in terms of performance, it's like you kind of have lowers, you got the beach breaks and that's really it. And you got to travel to really expand how good you get. And you kind of look at other kids like, you know, kids growing up in Western Australia where it's it's really not very friendly for beginner surfers, but like the waves are really, really gnarly. So you kind of have this higher level of talent across the community that's existing there. Would you say that, you know, you are a product of the pipeline environment in terms of your surfing development? Yeah, definitely a product of my environment. I mean, I base and I, my blood, my sweat, my tears, my, my everything's right here. I mean, just, just from random as, you know, just hanging out with my dad, cleaning up the bike path, planting trees, keeping the place nice, going out there, cleaning up the reef. I mean, just, just live free, whatever it takes, you know, almost died out here multiple times, but it's just, it's this crazy addiction. That I just keep coming back for more and I don't understand it. It's like, it's, it's the one thing that never got old in my life. And I, and I just love it every year. I just come back for more. And, and I always wonder where a lot of these people go that were so dedicated, you know, obviously, you know, life takes turns and you have, you know, different chapters of your life, but man, it's an addicting thing. And it's so addicting. I bought my house right here in front of it. <laughs> What do you remember the first time you went out at Pipeline? How old were you? What was that story? Man, I remember this one day. I, I mean, I was probably like seven or eight years old. My dad was like, today's the day. I got off of school. We went down there. He took me down on the quad. He's been watching it all day, you know, being a lifeguard. And I was like, all right, today's the day. And I put my helmet on. I paddled out this like really cool board I had. It was like my favorite board. And I ended up getting like a couple, like four or five footers, but they were like really pretty four or five footers. Like it was really cool. Like it was like, it was like the first like kind of time I just really, you know, piled out there and actually caught some waves because before that it was more like, yo, I surf pipe. And you know, like, and you like sit there and you drop in on the shoulder and the wave spits and you're like, got spit out too. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And, and I'm curious, like, you know, when, when you were growing up, so this would have been, I guess, late 80s, early 90s on the North Shore. At what point did you recognize that, that you were talented? I mean, not all like, you know, seven or eight year olds paddle out at pipe. Was there any kind of self-awareness around, yeah, I might be pretty good at this. Like, I, maybe this is like a career for me. Uh, maybe, maybe. I think what happened was, is when I finally realized that like I might have a job in surfing is when Rip Curl contacted us and they're like, hey, you know, we, we want to pay you. X amount of dollars. And I'm like, whoa, like, this is cool. Does this mean I can buy my own food? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stop asking your parents for money. And I think the contract was like, uh, maybe $13,000, but I was like, what? Like, this is so cool. And, and then just kind of moved forward from there. And I remember just being able to go to the store and buy my own food. And, and then I was all psyched and I wanted to buy a washing machine and my dad was pissed because, or no, a dryer, because my dad was pissed that it would be more electricity. And I was like, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. Because <laughs> I was tired of hanging my clothes up outside. And then in the salt in the winter, all your clothes on the, on the, on the little laundry line, or they're just, they're just crusted by salt and 
just pull them off and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Foodland food's not cheap. So that all makes sense. Yeah. What, and Rip Curl, you know, they're one of those companies and most of the companies are like this, but Rip Curl in particular, like, especially at that time, they were sponsoring kids and developing them to, you're going to do the QS and then you're going to qualify for the CT and we're grooming world champions. Yes. With your, was that your experience with Rip Curl? Like, like, was that kind of the conversation and the trajectory for you early on? Yeah, definitely. You know, you know, Rip Curl is a great sponsor and, and I was so fortunate for them to support me and, and just to have such a mainstream sponsor as a, you know, a young kid from when I was probably about 13 to 21 years old. You know, they took me all over the planet. It's interesting, right? Because Rip Curl is like, they're all about the search. They're all about traveling. And then they had, and then, but then they're way more into contest surfing and developing the next world champion. And to them, they saw kind of maybe both in the beginning. And then I was doing the QS and they're really focused. They're like, if you don't, you know, play, if you don't qualify, we're not going to pay you more money. We're going to keep you at this standpoint. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this. And then I won this, then I won the pipeline masters. Then, then things changed up. They're like, okay, this guy's world champion material. And then, it, and then it really kind of started pulling me away from like surfing and traveling and filming and doing what I really love to do and definitely taking me away from my friends and family. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to do this. So definitely was like a little falling out just because I wanted to be more of a free surfer and, and take that approach. So Definitely a big defining moment in my life. You know, Rip Curl helped me achieve so many rad things and it was such a rad company. And there were so many cool people involved and and just had a different path, man. I wanted to go, I wanted to go left. I wanted to go right. So we split the peak. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a really good way to put it. It's interesting that you you framed it that way, right? So so are you saying that, you know, before you won the Pipe Masters, which I think was 2004, I think two, yeah, 2004, you were kind of on this trip of like, you know, the QS is kind of hard. It's taking me away from home. It's not something I want to do. I want to pursue this free surfing thing, but actually winning the pipe masters, you went from the trials to the, the final and won the event. Would you say that kind of pushed you even further into like, well, now you got to try to qualify for a few years because you have this level of talent. That's pretty crazy, right? You win the pipeline mm. masters. It's a childhood dream. You get the confidence that you could win these contests and, and the feeling and, and just everything that came with it was insane. But at the same time, I still, all I wanted to do is just win pipe contests. I mean, it would have been cool if I would have went and won bells or something, but like pipe masters, <laughs> 21 years old. I was just like straight out of like school, just like, whoa, that just happened. That's like, so long ago. Like I'm just like, <laughs> I've been trying to win one ever since, but they just make it so hard to actually win a pipeline masters as a trials, man. Like, you have to surf the perfect contest and you cannot do one thing wrong. Well, I mean, that's an interesting thing, right? Because you were really, really progressive kind of in everything, you know, even if you kind of watch those like the like freak show, freak side, who is J-O-B, it's not all crazy pits at Pipe or Tahiti or Pasquale is like you were well ahead of the curve in terms of progressive surfing, like huge turns, like fin releases, airs. And I remember, uh, it was a long time ago now, but like, I remember you gave an interview, I think it was a Transworld Surf, and you said, you know, if Dane Reynolds qualifies for the CT, I'm going to be on there within one year. And I wondered, because this is before he qualified, so I, I, I want to know, was there ever a point 
where you felt like you can maybe team up with team up with Dane and like a few others in terms of high performance surfing and really take the energy of the surfing world like away from the CT kind of and take it more back to free surfing. Was that was that ever kind of a conversation for you at that time? No, I, I feel like, you know, I mean, Dane's an incredible surfer. I wish we saw more of him. Um, I felt like I did say that. I said, if Dane qualifies, I'll, I'll qualify. And Dane qualified and everyone was shooting all these messages to me. You said it, this. Now I'm just like, ah, I don't want to qualify. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting, right? Guys qualify. It's, it's a very it's a very fine line. OK, so. If Jamie O'Brien qualified in 2005, all these expectations, all the sponsors like, oh, this is our next world champ or whatever it is, you know, yeah. it comes along with a lot of pressure and, and a lot of pressure against yourself to do good in these competitions. <clears throat> and, you know, you don't want to let your dad down. You don't want to let yourself down. You don't want to let your friends down. Like it, it's a hard one to like to stomach, you know, because you got to take this serious, right? Because it's your job. And I feel like, if I would have qualified and I would have, you know, ended up 20th on the tour, you know, I would have been long, long forgotten. And, you know, contracts vary on how you do in the QS or, or majority of the CT every year. Like, oh, if you don't make the cut, you know, we cut your salary in half <laughs> and then you're back on the QS. And then if you get back on the CT, we'll, we'll bump your salary back up. And then if you place top 10, we'll bump your salary. If you're top five, we'll bump your salary. It's just like, there's just like, this whole ongoing thing of just money, 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 money to where as a free surfer, they're like, all right, we'll pay you X amount of dollars and you could use that money to go travel the world and have fun and film and bring your friends, whatever you want. It's up to you. So I, I really just kind of felt like it was less stress and a lot more fun. And that's what I like surfing for. I like just have fun, enjoy myself and Sky's the limit. I don't need anybody to tell me what I can or cannot do. I'm just going to go enjoy it. For sure. And it's like people like to say that, you know, tension, it, it creates friction and friction creates inertia and, and inertia kind of gets you to move forward, which, yeah. you know, you kind of look at that time in your career and you've done that, like in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, like you broke ground in all these different um, components. I, I am curious if there was like a specific moment or, or something that you remember where you deliberately said, okay, I'm done with the QS. I'm done with trying to qualify. I, I'm going to figure out a different pathway in my surfing because it probably would have been after the pipe masters, right? Because you said there was a few years where you're like, okay, I'm going to try to do this again, or my sponsors want to do it, or my dad wants to do it. I'm wondering if, if there was a moment of reckoning for you where you said, okay, like that's done. I'm doing this now. It might have been the summer before the Pipe Masters. Um, mm. I was in Europe and I was just so frustrated. And, and I was like, I was over there just like bumming around Europe, like from van to van, like hitchhiking to like sleeping in just rugged places, boards getting ripped off, like just all of the above, like not a real cool, like scene for me i wasn't really psyched on it everyone was partying super hard i didn't drink i didn't smoke i was just like clean cut sober i just wanted to get on the ct you know and i finally kind of like after losing so many times and having like super highs of like scoring a perfect 10 in my heat before and going to the next heat and and not even getting a total of five and 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 just just the ups and downs and people being competitively better than me, not, not, not technically a better surfer, just competitively better. And they would con continue to beat me time in and time out. And 
O'Brien lost. I just lost the plot. I, I started writing this uh, big, big letter to the ASP at the time of how, how bad the system was and how bad the ways we had to surf. And I had this crazy letter written out, showed my dad. My dad was pissed. Don't send that to them. Showed a couple other people. You know, I just deleted it and just... <laughs> The, the funny thing, having been there that long, is like, like it, people are like, don't send it. It's this giant company. And there was like five of us. And we've been like, oh, let's, Jamie sent us a letter. Let's read it. All five of us around the campfire. The sober thing's interesting. Have you always been sober? Uh, I, I, I casually drink now. But be, besides that, never in my life have I ever did anything. That's, that's obviously really unique. Um, well, for everybody, but certainly in the surfing world, was there a particular reason that you, you approached your surfing career that way or just your life, I guess? Uh, you know, when I was younger, my sister went to rehab and she was kind of in and out of like the scene and, you know, just, just, you know, I I always strive to be like a really good surfer and I always wanted to surf my whole life and be involved in the surf industry my whole life and i knew that just certain things would take away from what i'm actually trying to do and and i really feel that like i really feel like you know just being my best self and you know i mean (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i i I definitely enjoy my decision that i made because I, i i love surfing and and you know it's funny like i always looked up to laird hamilton and i always looked how how smart he was in his surfing career and how long he's been around in the surfing industry. And, and that's kind of how I want to approach it. I don't want to be like, oh, Jamie O'Brien, one of the pipeline masters. He did X, Y, and Z, and then we never saw him again. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, that has borne out. Like, we've seen it both ways. Like, we've seen people that have, like, flamed out very quickly and kind of, like, partied and amazing for a little bit, and then you never hear of them. And then even looking at your own career, and y- you might still be peaking, you know, at age 37, which kind of speaks to that longevity. Yeah, I just want to work hard and surf and have fun. And and to me, it's not really working hard. It's just what I love to do. And that's I think that's the best choice of my life about picking free surfing and making movies is that I still love what I do and I control my own destiny. So I want to get into that pivot into that next phase of your career post competition stuff. But before we do, I want to talk about the burning the ASP rulebook moment. Um, yeah. I think it was also from the same Transworld article, if I remember, and then I think it was a scene in um, Who is J-O-B? And it was, uh, you were burning the 2009 ASP rulebook. And I remember, again, there were like five of us at the company. It was like a big deal. We're like, oh man, Jamie O'Brien like burnt the rulebook. And I think I said like, well, it's the 2009 edition. Like we threw all those out anyway. What's the big deal? Like, so, but talk to me a little bit about that. Because I think through the prism of hindsight, like it's a very, very clear, like, yeah, he did that and he was breaking into his own career path. And it's actually a very smart creative marketing tactic to message that with. Yeah. Well, I think I was just, just burning the rule book and the idea of that, you know, there's no rules in surfing. I mean, besides surf etiquette. And I just was like, that'd be pretty sick if we burnt the rule book and, and we kind of threw it around for a minute and, and then we did it and we released, you know, at the time, one of the, you know, like coolest movies, for its time, who is J-O-B? And I was in, we were burning through. <laughs> it was insane. I remember getting all these emails from, you know, the ASP at the time and they're pissed. And then I went to surf the pipeline masters and, and I had this like long thing. That I need to delete all this stuff off the internet and this and that before I could surf my heat. And I was just like, Oh man, you know, it's funny. I actually saved the, I saved the letter. I still have it. Uh, <laughs> 
we should add, we should release it it could be like a joint content thing with the podcast It'd be great and then Ra- randy rare like i'm like randy i can't sign this like no way and then randy's like okay and he like crossed off a bunch of stuff and then i just <laughs> signed it and i just ran and went and surfed my heat and uh ended up surfing it's like I thought I had an easy heat. I was like Tom Whitaker and someone else. And I ended up losing my heat. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's so funny, right? Because it's one of those things where it's like, no one wins any points for subtlety where it's like, yeah, Jamie burnt the ASP rule book. And then he wants to surf the pipe masters. So the ASP made him sign this letter clearly full of shit. He doesn't believe like no one thinks it's either way. Everyone's like, okay, well, whatever. But yeah, that's what it they is. got me. You talked about um, the alcohol, uh, not not getting into alcohol or drugs when you're younger. But one of the things that, that you are a part of that, that is adjacent that I think a lot of people would benefit hearing from you on is uh, CBDMD. You know, we yeah. had Maku on a couple of weeks ago and and you guys both share the CBDMD sponsor. And I think for a lot of people, they're, they're just unclear of what it is. Um, I've been trying it for a few weeks. It's, it's kind of amazing. But can you talk a little bit about what role they've played in, in kind of the recovery and health regimen that you have? Yeah, so Makua Rothman came to me and me, Makua and I have been friends forever. Like, we're like really good friends, but we don't always hang out. But anyways, he's like, hey, Jamie, you know, I have this product, CBDMD. I want you to try it. Let me know what you think and get back to me. So he dropped off a bunch of product and I was like, all right, I'll try it. And I think one of my, one of my like <clears throat> first moves was, that I was like, is there a THC in this product? And he's like, no. And I was like, all right. So then I started, you know, pushing forward using the product. I actually hurt my knee. I started applying the, um, the CBDMD freeze. It's, it's my favorite product ever. It's basically like just magic to my knees and, and I mean, I, I religiously live by, you know, a certain few of their products that are my favorite. Cause like everything in life, right. You have your favorite. And I feel like it's just, it's really good for recovery. I feel like, you know, like there's nothing, there's nothing like out there that can do the same thing and, and be as effective as CBDMT. So like, to me, it's a perfect solution. When I'm sore, I grab it. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm not feeling good, you know, I got my CBDMD. I, it's, I sleep next to it. I think whack that thing on my knee every, every night. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, oh, sore here. It's, it's, it's a great product. Yeah. I totally back it. I mean, even in the few weeks that I've been using it, it's like, oh man, did I, did I have the gummy this morning? Did I, did I use the yeah. PM stuff before I slept? I'm like, you can tell when you don't. And as you said, yeah. there's no THC in it. There's no psychoactive. There's no addictive <laughs> qualities to it, but it is just one of those things that some of those products just make your day and your night go that much better. Yeah. And, and speaking of night, they got bath bombs and these things are amazing. Like I've always dreamed of having a bath. And when I built the house over here, I got a bath and now I just have tons of bath bombs and just drop these things in there. It's just this crazy colors and just jump in there and sit there and just relax. And, and, you know, like the oils and everything kind of dissolve and, and just kind of go into your body and your skin. You just feel really relaxed and you sleep really good. I, I think that's <laughs> I love doing that. I'm like a couple times a week. I'm like in a bath bomb, just loving <laughs> life. Because <laughs> hey, I'm not getting any uh, younger, so and I got to take care of my body. So I think you know CBDMD is a really good ticket to helping me on that journey. Well, we probably don't need it after that, but we're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors. I do want to talk a little bit about how Jamie O'Brien approaches the career and business part of it, right? Because I think compared to a lot of surfers and probably just a lot of athletes, 
it, it seems from the outside that you have a, a much more active role in the trajectory of your own career, whether it's you're producing your own films, whether it's you're kind of out ahead of some of these, these media enterprises. How active are you in, in your own career and, and I guess sort of your sponsorship relationships and, and deciding what you do week in and week out f- for your profession? I'm very active. I think that, I think my dad told me something when I was younger. He's like, don't be the guy with your hand out waiting for your check. Go out there and earn it. And that's kind of what I've been all about. I go out there, I surf hard, I work hard. You know, I think I got the fifth biggest Instagram in surfing and, and the males and the, and the guys division. I, I, I worked hard and, you know, now we got the biggest YouTube channel in surfing worked hard for that. You know, I think we've released over 250, uh, 15 to 20 minute videos, um, in under three years. I feel like, you know, by being more relatable and, and just having fun with surfing and life, I feel like it's, it's, it adds to the relatability factor and, and just sharing that, you know, it's because like, it's hard, right? So John, John, John's one of my best friends growing up and, and it's hard to relate when I go on surf trips with him or, or go somewhere with him because he's so gnarly. Like you, you instantly feel like a kook. I'm like, God, like he's like the only place I could like go out and compete and have a, like go wave for wave with him is that pipe or any barreling kind of way. But you go somewhere else. It's like, you can't relate with him. You're like, he's the best surfer in the world. Or, you know, Gabriel Medina, like you, I feel like I feel like a lot of people in the world have a lot of a hard time relating with these people. And I don't I don't want to be the person that sits around and makes I mean, I've done it before, like make a movie and it takes me two years to release this movie. I look like I'm the best surfer in the world. Look how badass my movie is. I think I think filming YouTube videos and saying today's the day we need to film for our next vlog dropping in two days. This is what we get. Let's make the best out of it. Let's have the best time we can. And, you know, let's, let's, you know, just push positivity and, and enjoy our lives because this is what we're dealing with. We're not, we're not, we're not just makeshifting like this, like crazy, like surf section over two years. This is real. Well, and I wanted to ask about that too, because we do a weekly podcast and it, it is sort of a side project, but it is a lot like recording, producing, editing. It's a lot for Ryan and I. And, I, and you put out two vlogs a week and, and like, what does the team look like for that? Like, it, it can't just be you. Like, it must be like a group of people that are working on this because every episode's so good, but it just seems like it must be a mammoth amount of work. It's a lot of work, you know, two episodes a week, 20 minutes each episode, um, you know, takes a day or two to film what we're working on. Our team is, we have Justin Graham, which is a filmer and an editor. And we got Jackson Lepsack, he's a filmer and an editor. Then we got our old buddy, Tim, that's been filming with me for the last like 15 years. We saved him and brought him back from Bali recently. Um, Then I got my uh, childhood friend, Sean, shooting GoPro. And that's our team, we got a big team, but the reality of it is that more content, more better. We're, we're putting more time. We're putting more effort and money into um, our channel, and that's kind of what what really helps drive our channel. We're not one filmer, one editor. We, I, <laughs> trying to trying to build 
build a mansion over here. No, like as far as like a team, I'm just like trying to, you know, build the best team and have the best content on YouTube is my goal. It absolutely shows. You mentioned something earlier about having the fifth biggest Instagram in the guys division. It sounds like you approach media almost as its own competition. Is that, does that drive you kind of looking at how other people do it in the same space? Yeah, it drives me, drives me big time. I, I, I definitely noticed there's been like a, a rapid, um, slowdown in the Instagram, uh, growth. But what I've noticed, there's been a rapid rise in YouTube growth, you know, in the last year we've grown 300,000 subscribers. So YouTube is just going Richter for us right now. And, you know, I think last month we grew 50,000 subscribers and, you know, like it's just, it's just so interesting, but so fun, you know? So like for me, I had goals in mind when I started my YouTube channel. Uh, one goal is, well, people watch this. I hope so. Then that started going. Then I was like, all right, we need to get to 50,000. And then it was hundred thousand. And then they send you this plaque right here. See if this thing pops off the wall. Yeah, it's golf. Boom. Then I got this plaque and I was like, dude, that's the coolest thing ever. This this like massive company actually send you like a, a plaque to say congratulations. Like Instagram's ever done anything for me. <laughs> uh, but anyways, you get the plaque and then I'm like, okay, you know, like setting milestones and, and the biggest milestone in surfing was WSL. And just last month we passed them and I was like, wow, I cannot believe we're the biggest YouTube channel in surfing now. And now I'm on, I'm on. I want, I want to uh, make it to a million subscribers. <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about how you've been ahead of the curve so much in your career. And I mean, even looking at the North Shore now, there's all these other vlogs popping up, whether it's, you know, your friend Makua, Koa's got one, the Smith brothers have got one. I'm wondering how you view social media because it compared to when you started, right? Like, it was your avenues to reach the market were through like your sponsor or like a sponsor video or a competition. And now that paradigm is broken wide open with social media and with a lot of what you've been doing, right? Which is actually keep taking your narrative and putting it out on your own platform in the way that you see fit. How yeah. do you kind of look at all that these days and look at the next generation coming up or even the current generation on tour? You could look at someone like your friend, John, who was kind of social media averse for a long time. And only lately has he kind of been using it to kind of plug his stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, the way I look at YouTube and, and things are starting to like rapidly rise in the surf world, as far as YouTubers, like everyone seems to be, not everyone, but a lot of people seem to be going to YouTube now. I remember about a couple of years ago, I think people thought I was a kook. People were like, Oh dude, you got a YouTube channel. What's a vlog? What is a vlog? And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, dude, you better, you better get with the time, boy. No, um, I think I <laughs> now, think now you're uh, telling everyone to get off your corner. You're like, beat it. I'm here. It's my corner. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, I did a bunch of movies. Then I did vlogging before I was vlogging with Red Bull and we, we created an amazing series. Who is J.O.B. 2.0 all the way to 9.0. If you guys haven't checked that out, make sure you check it out. It's, it's a really cool web series I do with Red Bull. And then I was just kind of, I was just, now, you know, eight years, nine years of, of a web series with them. I was like, I'm going to try my own thing. And boom, three years later, 650,000 subscribers were climbing. It's, it's, it's been the best journey of my life. I mean, we're, you know, we're sharing our lives and, and everything we're doing with, you know, all our friends and family and the people that decided to support us. And, and we're, 
don't know, give them the reality and the, and the real deal behind surfing. And, and you know, it's, it's cool. Like, you know, Nate and, and Koa and all these guys vlogging and figuring out, you know, like they, they can be in control of, of their own destiny and, and where they want to go and what they want to do. You know, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're putting out big numbers, your sponsors are happy. Well, I'm interested in that too, because it feels like, especially at 37, you're probably in a position now where you're getting a lot of incoming people being like, brand X wants to partner with you because of your platform, because of what you do. And these people want to partner with you. But it feels like you've been very deliberate and smart in what you've done, whether it's you like co-developing product with Buell Wetsuits or really putting kind of GoPro on the map in the surfing world in a big way. Like how do those kind of relationships with your current sponsors work in terms of deciding, okay, this is what I want to do with the wetsuit sponsor. This is what I want to do with the surfboard company. Yeah. Surf industry is a crazy, crazy place, man. I remember about three years ago, I didn't have a wetsuit sponsor. Um, Rusty dropped me. It was, or like maybe five, four or five years ago, Rusty dropped me. I didn't have a wetsuit sponsor. I, I didn't have a sunglass sponsor. I didn't really have a lot going on. Red Bull is always solid, supported me. And I was always very grateful for this. And uh, Catch Surf started sending me boards. And then, you know, that turned into like a little board deal. And just, it's crazy. I, I, if I could explain the surf industry, man, it's kind of, I'll be honest, it's about partying with the boys and, and creating weird friendships. And because, man, let me tell you, like, I, I went, I, I haven't had a shoe sponsor for 10 years. I'm like, hey, so-and-so, can you guys, could I figure out how I can get on the team? Oh, sorry, we have X, Y, and Z. And I'm a hip, another company, like, hey, like, looking for a sponsorship. I'm just like all the Groms out there, like, hey, can you sponsor me? They're like, sorry, we got X, Y, and Z. You know, like, hey, you know, like. It, I basically was just getting shut down left and right. And then the, the people that ended up partnering with me, it's been insane. Like Catch Surf, the, the most, they're the best company ever. They're the coolest, fun, outgoing, you know, fits, fits what I do. Just perfect. You know, we sell tons of boards. We sell more boards than you'd ever know what to do with. And, and, and it, it's cool though, because I'm, I'm out there, you know, like, you know, marketing their brand and, and helping them. And it's just, it's just, it's like these perfect relationships that come together eventually. And like, same thing with Buell wetsuits. It's like, they can't keep a Buell wetsuit in stock now. And, and it's so much fun working with these people that have a lot of fun working with me. And I don't know, I, I'm just saying that like, there's a lot of companies out there that just look right past me and what I'm doing and don't understand it. And to me, I'm like, oh, right on, whatever. Like, I'm just gonna keep doing my thing. It's so interesting you kind of framed it that way because surfing forever has really been like a community obsessed with the cult of youth, right? Where they're like, we're going to pay for potential more than achievement. Like you see this all the time, like with sponsors really putting up big numbers for kids who haven't really done anything yet, you know? And it's almost like as soon as you win a world title in some cases, I mean, this was kind of it maybe 10 or 15 years ago, the sponsors are like, okay, great. Thanks for that. We're looking for the next kid. You know, yeah. and I feel like you've done a nice job of inverting that in, in, in at least in recent years, because you've said, no, this is like my place and this is my story. And I'm not looking for like stickers and money for like maybe going to win a world title someday. Like I'm looking to partner on product and actually impacting like companies bottom lines to to really kind of make something substantive. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you, you feel like like I'm, I'm interested if you 
would you share with us like how the rusty relationship ended? I've got no idea, but like what, what, what kind of ended that relationship for you guys? Uh, rusty, rusty was amazing. Rusty himself, Rusty Presendorfer, coolest guy I ever met in my life. You know, he's the founder of the company. Basically I got a message and it was from a lawyer saying, um, we are no longer sponsoring you. And I was like, Whoa, this just came out of left field. And I sent that to Rusty Presendorfer. Rusty was pissed. Said, don't, I'm very sorry about this. Let me go look at it. And then we ended up kind of like, they ended up trying to piece back together a deal with me. And I was kind of like, why would I want to write for a company that obviously doesn't want to sponsor me? So then I just kind of left. <laughs> but I was always confused. I'm like, how does Red Bull get it? How do, how do they still support me and, and love what I do? Like, I must be doing something right, you know? It's like, it's like I remember when Nike was sponsoring all the surfers. And I'm like, hey, can I get on the team? I'd be so psyched. And, and yeah, you know, Jamie, like everybody has like something really good going on, you know, and, and we don't need another pipe surfer. He's like, nothing against you. I'm just like, what? Like, <laughs> or like, you know, like, re- like, like a few months ago, I was like talking to, to Reef Shoes and it's just like, they're just like, nah, or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we could, we could freaking, we could strap these little slippers on these wampers and we could freaking take these things to the moon, you know? Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, and I mean, the surfing world has gone through so much change, like in our lifetimes, like it, it does feel like something where they're still trying to kind of figure it out. Like some people have obviously, but then, you know, they're, they're having to wrestle with sort of atmospheric forces in the global economy. I want to talk about pipeline. I, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I don't think there is another wave on the planet that can actually like curate someone's entire career. And not that you are just a pipe surfer, but would you say that what you can do at Pipeline and what you have been able to do at Pipeline has been the cornerstone of, of your career as a professional surfer? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it all started when I won the Pipe Masters and then it's just kind of unfolded, you know? That, that, was, that was enough to leave my name there for a little bit and, and, and try it, you know, try my best, just put my time in out here. And, and that's what it's all about. And just surfing here day in and day out has been everything to my career. I owe my whole life <laughs> dedication, uh, to my dad wanting to live here to, you know, like, like I said, I, I definitely overpaid for my property over here at pipeline, but at the same time, you know, it's, I, I allow, I'm allowing myself to be a part of something that I love forever. And, you know, to, to me, the biggest accomplishment in my life is, and my biggest trophy and biggest everything is to own this house at Pipeline and just be a part of it for the rest of my life. Because, you know, even though I'm too old to surf it, I want to come back, kick here and kick it here and, and watch the, the, the next generation, the next generation, you know, take on Pipeline and, and just know that I had a pretty cool spot. Because who knows, now maybe I'm dead and my house is still here and they're like, that's Jamie O'Brien's house right there. Do you think that you're in the conversation for being the best surfer ever at Pipeline? No, but I think that... Uh, why not? Why, why wouldn't you be? You've won the Pipe Masters. You've won a bunch of events out there. You've transcended actual surfboards and you're writing catch surf softboards out there. Like, I, I would make an argument that you're in the conversation. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I... I you know, there's, it's just when I think of Pipeline as me, I think of Jerry Lopez, Derek Ho, Mike Ho, um, you know, Braden Diaz, 
uh, you know, like I just got a list of my guys that like, you know, I've written, and we all like hold, hold different ideas in our head of who, who's who, but I'm, I'm very happy with my accomplishments, accomplishments at pipeline, you know, from winning the pipeline masters to winning three Vulcan pipe pros to winning two backdoor shootouts to winning two way for the winners, like definitely stacking up, uh, some, some, some cool memorability from it all, you know, look at that resume. Like, I mean, I think that, I think the people you named are totally valid, right? And we could probably yeah. throw in like in the last 20 years, you talk in the Kelly for sure, the Irons oh, yeah. brothers, John, John, yeah. but like, I mean, that resume holds up. Like I, yeah. I genuinely think that there's a level to that, you know, and it's one of those things I want to bring it all the way back full circle to you being really ahead of the game. Like, you know, in modern, the modern surf space, people love to look at like, you know, John, John's amazing. He's Mr. Pipeline, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think, and I can say this cause I, I'm just a sort of a objective observer. I don't think people appreciate how far ahead of everybody you were at Pipeline, especially back in the early oddies, like when you won the Pipe Masters and you still kind of are like, I, I, I'm interested because it does feel like you've kind of transcended in a lot of ways where you're like, yeah, I can go out there on a catch surf and do it. And it's super fun. Like, you know, like John doesn't have a pipe masters yet. Like other people aren't riding softboards out there. Even when you kind of pick a Takoro up, like people aren't getting those waves these days. Yeah. What do you think about that? You know, where are you, John? You know, barely comes in surf's pipe. Love the guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, John, John should have won a pipe, pipe master or three. Uh, that close call at Jeremy Flores is a heartbreaker for me, but congrats to Jeremy. I mean, he's amazing, but, oh, but, uh, definitely Kelly. Kelly's amazing out there. Kelly, Bruce, Andy, John. I mean, these guys are just incredible. I, I thought it was really cool. Kelly uh, often mentions that he would love to surf a heat with, uh, myself, John, John, and, and I'm just assuming Bruce. <laughs> That'd be a freaking crazy heat, man. Like eight to 10 foot pipe. Me, John, Bruce, Kelly. Wow, that would be like a dreamer. So, I mean, Kelly always claimed that one would be, a, you know, like his favorite favorite thing to like, I don't know. So I think that's cool. I think he throws me in the conversation. I would like to be in a full battle with me at a pipe. If the four of you are out there in a free surf, who has priority? Who's, who's, who's the alpha in that group? You know, Kelly's a pretty strong alpha surfer. But then again, it's like, it's like, I mean, Kelly, Kelly just puts himself in the situations and line. He's just, I swear, like in his mind, it must be like the matrix going on. Cause he like reads things that other people don't read. And, and it's, it's very interesting surfing in life. He's probably the smartest surfer on the planet earth when it comes to just way of calculating. And that's why he's so good. And, and he'll always like, look at me and go, are you going? And I'm just like, trying to sell me this wave and then kelly freaking gets it underneath me and you know i hear the whole beach roar and i'm just like i just watch a hundred brights close out and then he gets to the wave of the day <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it it explains a lot for him i you, you know, know one it, of the oh, it sucks that it sucks that pipe is so it, it tears me apart man every winter i'm so competitive and so like i i want the best wave every time i go surfing it's like it's, it's like a, it's a, it's real, like, honestly, it's, it's, it's gnarly out there, like pound for pound, trying to catch waves and line yourself up and get that wave. It's like, it's a very stressful situation for me. And, you know, that's why I love to paddle out there on the soft top and get away from all that. And like, oh, sometimes it's just so much, like I'm already freaking out. I'm like, oh, I, I, 
like, I don't know. I'm like, I want to win away with the winner again. Like I want to be on the best waves. I know that I'm either like, it's crazy. Cause when you speak away with the winner, you're either like when Nate Florence won away with the winner, it was in my heat at the backdoor shootout. And I was like looking at that wave and you know, when, you know, X, Y, and Z guys won the pipe or won the wave of the winner. I was out there. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's crazy, man. Like these waves are out there while you're out there. And like, you're just like, you never know which one's the one, but it's just, it's just such a competitive thing. Like, I'm not out. I guess I'm out there trying to win wave of the winner, but when I pal out there, I'm just like, I want to get, I just want to get the best wave I could possibly surf and position and ride the wave as, you know, best as I can. And I don't know. Basically what I'm saying is surfing is a very greedy sport and it sucks. And that's, that's why I love filming the vlogs and, and just having fun with it is because there's some parts of my life that's super serious and super tense. And obviously, cause we're surfing the most deadliest wave in the world. But once I get away from all of it and just get my head back on straight and we just make fun videos. <laughs> it's such an interesting way to talk about it too, because even outside of heats, like when it's a free surf and it's such an intense lineup, like it's sometimes like a matter of inches between you and the other person that's in position. And do you think that it's interesting you said that's, that's why you like writing soft tops, like because of your reputation and what you've accomplished in your career. And I mean, Jesus, we just had 10 minute conversation about how I think you're in the conversation for being the best surfer ever at pipeline. Do you think that heightens everyone's expectations for you, including your own every winter? And is that writing soft tops is kind of a way to deal with that where it's like, Hey, look, I'm on a soft top. Like I can actually relax and breathe a little bit here. Yeah, I don't have to sit under the ledge and take off air dropping, hoping I'm gonna make the drop to pull in the barrel, not knowing if you know, not knowing the unknown. And I mean, that's part of why I love surfing so much. But at the same time, like, it's 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 gnarly. If if you're watching this podcast and you're like, oh man, it looks so fun, to surf pipeline, like, it's gnarly. There's 10, 15 guys out there that are so hungry for for every every wave, and and so am I. And and they're all. You know, I mean, there, I mean, there's hundreds of people that are capable of winning wave with a winner or, you know, winning the pipeline masters. It's not really out there. And some, sometimes you'll paddle out there and there's no one out. Like there's people out, but there's, there's not those, those hungry, hungry surfers. And I'm one of the hungry surfers. <laughs> you, you've uh, had actually, you've been, you've been kind of coaching people and escorting people out there a lot in recent years too. I mean, a, a lot of people don't know, but and correct me if I'm wrong, but Adriano, the year that he won both pipe and the world title, like he stayed with you and he came early with you and he kind of asked you to teach him how to, how to win out there, you know? And I, and then we saw recently you escorted Carissa out there. How, how much has kind of the mentorship component for you at Pipeline been, been part of your career in recent years? Yeah, I thought it was really cool when um, Adriano was real adamant about staying with me and just just putting in his time here at pipeline and he did it and you know we talked and we 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 had certain things i want to talk to him about and just express like how i read things and just whatever just just give him some secret tips and and because because i knew he had a chance at you know possibly clinching a world title i didn't even know he was going to win the pipe masters that was like crazy but like hey he put in the time the dedication i mean good vibes right here at pipe. I, I feel like he was just close to, I don't know, just, just close to it. And, and recently I was cruising at home last winter and Shane Dorian messaged me and he goes, Hey, um, you want to help Italo? Just, just maybe go surf with him a few times and talk to him and just like give him a little, like, 
you know, just a little encouragement and, and just, just a little, you know, and, and it actually turned that into a really cool uh, friendship and we supported him. I, I, I told him certain things to, to help him, you know, maybe achieve his goals and he won his world title and a pipe masters too. And, and Carissa has been trying to link up with me a lot um, over the past few years. And finally we had a, a fun little surf together at a pipe. And she's trying to, you know, get more comfortable out there as well. And, and you know, I feel like I don't just choose anyone. I mean, they kind of come and ask and I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, I, I, I don't, there's no secrets really, you know, it's just, I, I want to share my knowledge and, and, and see people be successful and, and win and, and, and just maybe get the wave of their lives. I'm not sure. So you're not advising our listeners to kind of hit you up on Instagram and be like, hey, I'm coming to the North Shore. Like, can you escort <laughs> no. me out at Pipe and share, share some no. knowledge? <laughs> The Adriana one's funny. Like I, I remember being in the pit, like after he won and, and we were talking and we were getting ready to go up on stage and I had the trophy and, and, you know, it's one of those interesting moments because everything has happened. Everything's so electric, but like no one's kind of saying anything. So he and I were talking cause he, he was just kind of surrounded by people he didn't know. And I said, Hey, you're the first Brazilian to win the pipe masters. You know, this is like an hour after he'd done it. He goes, really? He just had like no idea. And he was just like so psyched and, it's a really, really cool thing. Pipe is now the start of the men's CT as opposed to the finish. How do you think that's going to impact uh, the championship tour season moving forward? Like what surfers do you think it'll favor? Do you like it? Do you not like it? I'm, I'm curious to get your take. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't really care, honestly, that it's going to be the first contest or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's still pipeline. It's, <laughs> it's going to be a good start of the year for a lot of people, right? And then, you know, it's like, can they back themselves up on the backside of the year? I guess, you know, there's just, it's just a lot, a lot involved, you know, first contest is pipe. That's pretty aggressive straight into it. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a total departure from like snapper rocks. Right. And I, it is one of those things. It's a give and take, you know, I was talking to Pat O'Connell a lot about this and he was like, look, you know, a lot, the, the, the added importance for having it start the season is that a lot of times you get to the end of the year and outside of everyone wanting to win pipe for valid reasons and potentially a title race, a lot of people are kind of locked into their positions, you know, so they can go out at pipe, they might win, they might lose. And that's kind of it. He goes, start of the season, every heat matters, right? Like every heat matters for requalification, for setting up the year. So I thought that was a, an interesting take on it, but I everybody's we're gonna, hungry. Yeah. Everyone's hungry. Yeah. We're going to get to listener questions and the lightning round, but first another quick word from our sponsors. So we put it out to the Instagram community to see if they had any questions for you. And they had a ton, uh, but we picked three. So the first question is from Aaron Friedley, who asks, how do you decide whether you write a soft top or a real board? And, and how often do you do that outside of the vlog? Soft top and real board. You know, to be quite honest, there's no outside of the vlog. It's, it's vlog, vlog, vlog. <laughs> every day surf 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 um when pipeline looks fun and approachable on a soft top i will always choose to ride the soft top when pipeline starts to look a little heavy and gnarly and a little scary i'll grab the takoro because i know the takoro can you know just get the job done it's just a board that i've worked on for 15 years with wade and you know soft top is soft top a lot of times i'll, I'll opt to ride the soft top and then <laughs> I almost got away with the winner, I swear, a couple times on my soft top. So it's just, 
you know, I don't know. I, I love, I love the soft top. Uh, let's, let's say if I did 20 surfs, I'd probably ride the soft top like 15 times. <laughs> I, I think wave of the winner on the soft top is, is in the future for sure. Yeah, for next, sure. Let's do it. Next, next question from <laughs> cheers, Nicole, who asks, tell us about the pipe lineup hierarchy. So if everyone's out there, all the crew are out there, who are the top three to five surfers in terms of hierarchy? That is the hardest question I could, I, I, I could be probably ever asked because <laughs> there's people watching this, but like, who's going to say, uh, you, <laughs> know, <laughs> you know, like just as my opinion and everybody has their own opinion in this life, if we live, uh, I would paddle out there and, and it, it really, it's, it's really different, you know, cause I could paddle out there and Tamayo Perry, you know, could be leading the charge. I could paddle out there and Koa Rothman could be leading the charge. I could paddle out there and Makua could be leading the charge. I could paddle out there and Nate Florence could be leading the charge. I could paddle out there and Flynn Novak's leaving, leading the charge. There is probably a group about 15 to 20 people that are pretty heavy regulators, you know, and, and it, it's so hard to narrow it down. You know, I, I would say, I would say when people paddle out in groups, which John, Nathan, Eli, and Koa Rothman always paddle out together. It makes it really difficult. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a really, it's a really tight pack and they're, they're, um, they're constantly pushing each other deeper and deeper and deeper, which is good and bad. And that's just how the cookie crumbles. So I, I'd say they're, they're definitely like, you know, like the new generation, like lock it down, but then, you know, like, that everyone's getting in the mix, you know, there's Josh Moniz, there's Seth Moniz, there's Flynn Novak, there's, um, Tamayo Perry, like, like it's, it's just, it's gnarly. <laughs> It'd be interesting to kind of write them all down, but there's definitely days that I pile out there and I'm just like, Ooh, like gnarly <laughs> out here, you know? I think that's a great answer. Last question from the Instagram community comes from Jordan Andrew Cross, who asks, Many of us parents live in a world where J-O-B is king. My kid only wants J-O-B merch for Christmas, and my 70-year-old parents are saying, stay psyched. Did you set out to be the Peter Pan king of the family and Grom universe, or did it just turn out that way? That's a good question. Well, that's such an awesome question. Thanks so much for asking that. You know, I want to be a positive role model. You know, we don't swear on our show. We want it to be PG. We want it to be user-friendly we want you know we want all the groms to be able to watch and and enjoy it and and we just want to deliver a positive message you know surfing's fun get out there you know surfing keeps you out of trouble it keeps you in the water it's a very healthy lifestyle sport um you know as i get a little older we, we've cleaned up what we've done and and just trying to be a positive role model for all the kids out there in the world and and just as much fun as I can. And it kind of just worked out that way. But, you know, at the same time, it's, it's, it's learning, you know, to, you know, recently, like on our vlogs, we cut swearing, no swearing at all. It's clean. Everybody could watch it. It's fun. And yeah, that's cool. And <laughs> the Peter Pan is surfing. That's cool. I like it. We should try to cut swearing <laughs> off the podcast in the future. It's a good approach. One last segment. So this is the lightning round. These are 10 questions. You answer as fast as you can. Okay. If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, a single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad bonzer, or finless, what would you have? Twin fin. 
Coffee or tea? Coffee. Burrito or pizza? Burrito. Last book you read? <laughs> There's no books. Best surf film ever? Mm. Um, oh, sorry. Um, whatever. Tim by Nathan's films when I was younger. Uh, Hawaii and I know. One wave you never have to go back to? It's supposed to be rapid. I'm scared of Chopo because I almost died out there, but then I went back out there and lit myself on fire on a huge <laughs> one. So, but I want to go back, but I'm a little scared. It's like, it hurts me a little. I almost died there. Yeah. Lighting yourself on fire doesn't feel pleasant either. I'm sure. Okay. Best person to share a lineup with? Flynn Novak. Worst person to share a lineup with? Mm. <laughs> no, no answer. Only get to surf one way for the rest of your life. Pipeline. Finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by catching the wave of the winner on my soft top. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie O'Brien, thank you so much for joining us on the lineup. Tell everyone where they can check you out. Uh, check me out on YouTube. I mean, we, we do weekly videos. We drop videos every Monday and Thursday, 9 a.m. Hawaii Standard Time. And we're on time. We're user, kid-friendly, fun, cool. Just check it out and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Right on, man. We'll see you this winter. Cool. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. So that's it. That's the lineup presented by Michelob Ultra, Pure Gold's conversation with Jamie O'Brien. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. And I look forward to J-O-B doing more insane things at Pipeline this winter and many winters to come. This episode is produced by Ryan Fawcett with art direction by Jason Penning. Thanks to both of them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, the Kichduvagnar, and the native Hawaiian people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are. We're going to be off next week for Thanksgiving break, and we'll return the following week with a very special episode. Stay safe.